Hi, welcome to the Employco HR podcast. My name is Rob Wilson, president of Employco USA. With me is my uh, brother and partner, Scott Wilson. Hello. And our vice president of HR, Jason Eisenhut. Hi, everyone. And as usual, Nikki Navarro working the board. So thanks for making it sound good, Nikki. Thank you. The, uh, this week's topic, uh, with, uh, with uh, somewhat newsworthy with everything going on in the, uh, in the news world, the uh, investigating a sexual harassment complaint. So about, uh, about a year ago, we did uh, a, a webinar on, uh, on different types of harassment. Uh, yeah, we covered uh, the history of it, prevention techniques, strategies, uh, two types of harassment, quid pro quo and hostile work environment. So that is a good one to reference, and we'll be talking a little bit different topics today, but that's a good one to check back on from November of last year. Well, and, and, and I think this is a great topic just for the fact that if it does happen, you're going to be more prepared. Right. You don't want to, especially if the person's in this situation, you want to handle it professionally. And when you look at, uh, uh, at, at a sexual harassment claim it's a, or complaint, it's a delicate situation. You're dealing with multiple parties, and you need to think about, as the employer, how you're going to respond. Because when typically it, it happens, you, like in most situations, you need to be prepared. And you mm-hmm. can't, you don't, you're not going to have the time to think about, well, all right, I'm going to take two, three weeks and figure this out. You need to be able to respond pretty quickly. Yeah, so we, we're, the co- topics we're going to cover today, and you can give us a call at any time with HR at employco.com or 630-920-0000. Uh, we'll be able to help you prepare, but take the time now to prepare to train the people who will be doing the investigation, or if you're going to outsource it, we can start on that side also. Mm-hmm. Right, and the uh, and the harass, sexual harassment training, uh, Jason's team, you guys do quite a bit of uh, webinars, uh, webinars as well as live in-person training, uh, you know, especially in light of more and more states is required now that, uh, that employees are trained. Yeah, it's typically a good idea also to do different training for supervisors compared to employees because supervisors maybe need a little bit extra training about how to respond. What if you get a complaint? You should know the policy. What if employees come to you? Well, and you know it's a timely topic because you look at the numbers of the attendees of the webinars and they're, yeah, you know, through the roof. Right. And, and just the, the media side, when you look at you know, uh, Mark Cuban, the Dallas Mavericks, right. so what happened there, they did a, a big investigation, and, and it's, uh, the good thing is it's, it's becoming easier for people to, uh, to file a complaint. Cause mm-hmm. in, in some, you know, there's many industries where it, it, you couldn't file a complaint, uh, and, uh, and it was going on. So the, the fact that people are more educated now about it, and so you need to know on both sides. So now on the employer side, as you're seeing more and more complaints, uh, what should you do and how should you handle it? So, so let's jump into some uh, best practices. Sounds good. I mean, what we recommend, the first thing, the first step is probably someone's going to bring the complaint or the, if it's a witness, what they saw happen to someone in management. So when that happens, the, the, the management team and human resources department, the first step is to determine who at that company or if you're going to outsource it, but who within the company or outsource will do the investigation. Typically, you want that person to be unbiased, maybe outside of the direct report department of the alleged harasser. Uh, you want the person to be unbiased. Trustworthy. Trustworthy, right, absolutely. Um, and that person shouldn't have any prior dealings or conflicts with the alleged harasser or the victim. Uh, so if you can find someone who's unbiased, hopefully within an HR department or legal staff, and then hopefully either the alleged harass, the alleged, uh, I'm sorry, the investigator or the witness should be the same gender of the alleged victim. So if it's a female bringing the complaint forward, 
I'm in human resources. I would like a female witness to help me during the investigation to have as the same person, the same gender as the alleged victim. And that makes complete sense. I mean, you want that person to be comfortable enough to actually say what happened. And if you seem the least bit where you're trying to not help that person out, it's going to backfire. Absolutely. Right. And in, in some cases where our clients, they don't have somebody on, on site that they want to, uh, and they want to outsource it, they're calling, you know, we've got a dedicated 800 number uh, hotline here where uh, our clients' employees will call and report that incident to, and that goes to your, your team, where you're fielding <coughs> that call, and then as a third party, you've got that un, <coughs> unbiased uh, uh, situation. Yeah, and we I mean, we had a client not too long ago had um, a party at an offsite party. Uh, one employee felt like another coworker was hitting on his girlfriend because you could bring a significant other, and there there are other witnesses who did back that up that the coworker was flirting with the coworker's girlfriend, um, and then we got into some sexual harassment other kind of related topics. So we we were asked to come in as an unbiased third party. It's our kind of already part of our services. So. We came in, did the investigation, and we had witnesses with us, and and that's really a best practice. If you if it's if you're small enough, too small of a company, not to have someone that's that biased, definitely outsource it. Yeah. I mean, you, it will serve no practical mm-hmm. purpose to do it in house. I mean, that way, if an unbiased person that everybody can look at and be like, okay, yeah, and most up. small and mid-sized companies. Even if they want to try and do it in-house, they don't have the training, the expertise to know what questions they ask, to know what to, how to avoid retaliation, even su- subtle, mm-hmm. uh, accidental retaliation, where we're training that we have the expertise and the experience for it. So now you, the allegation has happened, of, uh, and, and there's a complaint has been filed. What's the next steps for uh, for the company? So you've got you you figured out you've got uh, a male or female, depending uh, that's that's going to handle it on your side. What should that person do next, Jason? So we ask the alleged victim for all the details. If they haven't provided something already in writing, we ask them to provide it in writing, including all the, the W's, what, when, where, how, when, who was a witness, what did you notice, all the different kind of details. They want. We have a, also a, an investigation packet that could help. If you want to try and do it in-house, we have a packet ready to go. You can contact us. We can send that off to you. List some uh, kind of template questions for the alleged victim, uh, but if the, if the victim doesn't feel comfortable putting in writing, again, I have this witness with me in the in the interview process in the in the investigation. I, I repeat back what my notes, what my understanding of the events back to the alleged victim were, and I have the witness there to acknowledge that was their confirmation, or I just ask them to sign off on my notes. So we have the alleged victim's statements, all the who, what, when, where, why. And at that point, we can start looking for evidence. Uh, so if they mentioned a text message, if they mentioned a calendar, if they mentioned <coughs> um, something that physical happened, we can look at video f- footage. We can p- pull the security kind of video uh, file from the, from the records. Uh, anything that the person mentions, we can start looking for evidence. And at that point, you can start building the, the interviewee list and who to, look f- who to start targeting for interviews, whether or not they're witnesses or the alleged harasser. And so uh, at that point, are you, you're still keeping, you've, you're trying to keep that information as confidential as possible. Yeah, and one of the things we want to tell the alleged victim right up front is um, we really appreciate you bringing this complaint forward. We really strongly prohibit, we don't tolerate harassment in the workplace. We consider this a very serious allegation. 
we're going to take it very seriously. We're going to begin investigations immediately. That's one of the strongest recommendations that we can make is start handling it quickly. Don't wait to respond. And if you don't handle it quickly and if you don't handle it seriously, you're going to get sued. Right. Yeah, there there, will be legal problems. And and so and you need to keep as much information as confidential as possible. So the investigation should be done quietly, quickly, and uh, and some information is going to come out in some interviews. It's it's bound to, but from a, a company wide standpoint, you want to do this as as confidentially as as possible for for everybody involved. And, and we tell the alleged victim up front, we're going to try and keep this as confidential as possible. But some of it we have to relay the information to the people who need to know, especially the alleged harasser. That person has a right to defend themselves, know the, kind of the, all the allegations against them, and they have a right to defend those. So we will be bringing some of this to the alleged harasser, but we'll keep this as confidential as possible. And that goes back to your first point. You, that's where you really need a trustworthy person running the investigation. That way that person will feel comfortable enough to relay all the details. Absolutely. So then once, as, as we have the data, you've interviewed people, You've uh, the the victim, the alleged harasser, coworkers, and as you wrap up the investigation, and you find that there's a credibility that it did happen. What uh, what are your next steps, or do you do you make various recommendations depending on the company? Because a lot of times their handbook might be silent. Right. Absolutely. So at the end of the investigation. And throughout the investigation, we also remind people about retaliation. So retaliation do not, is prohibited. Do not retaliate. Even if this claim is found to be not true, hmm. uh, retaliation is not prohibited. That oftentimes gets people in more trouble than the, the initial allegation. Uh, but following the, the complete investigation, if we find that there is enough credible evidence to show that there was harassment, <clears throat> and that could be a combination of evidence, witness statements, uh, during the investigation, we should be looking at uh, people's demeanor, their any conf- conflicting statements. So it's not just what they say, it's how they say it, what's their body language, things that a, kind of a trained person would look for. But if at the end we find that there is evidence that harassment did take place, we'll make the, the f- provide the key findings to the member of management who will be making that decision. Again, that person should be unbiased, no prior dealings. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll make recommendations to the client or, or as part of the investigation for them to, again, look at the employee handbook. Does employee handbook have very strict progressive discipline? Step one is verbal. Step two is written. Step three is suspension. Step four is termination. Or does it provide some leeway where, depending on the circumstances, you can and skip the right? Exactly. Sure. Yeah. And then we also suggest that the management team looks at any prior discipline with the employee or other employees. So if a different employee had been found... Um, that they did harass someone else. Maybe it was a joke that was off-color joke, and then this this situation was also an off-color joke. What was the discipline given to that person? Because now that's precedent. You want to provide the same level of discipline and not be discriminatory. So that discipline can range from verbal or written warnings, paid or unpaid suspensions, and then ultimately, if it's serious enough, uh, a termination of employment. In many cases, you're seeing, depending on the size of the company, that... Uh uh, are you seeing during the course of the investigation or post-investigation that, that the uh, alleged uh, harasser is transferred to a different department or a different location? That's exactly, that's a great point. It's not the alleged victim that should be transferred. That's one of the mistakes that we see a lot of companies do is if the alleged victim brings it to us, we'll tell the person, okay, we'll, we'll send you home for the few days that we conduct the investigation or we'll move your desk somewhere else. It shouldn't be the alleged victim because that's a form of retaliation. 
they might want to be closer to their friends, and that kind of isolates them. And so, they need the support. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So if any remedial action is taken, it should be against the alleged harasser. Maybe you put them on a paid leave pending investigation. Uh, but yeah, that's one of the things that we recommend during the investigation until the point where discipline is decided is remove the harasser from the situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, do you have different levels of uh, every company decides on their own, and a lot of times they, they're not putting it in their handbook as far as is it a transfer, is it a suspension, is it a suspension without pay to a termination? You know, when you think about sexual harassment, it's such a wide uh, you know, a wide yeah, area. A wide gamut, you, know, yeah. you can have, I, I was at a, uh, a YPO conference last week, and we were talking about the same topic, and one of the guys said, you know, I, I used to, I'm a hugger, and I, I would pat a guy on the back going, hey, awesome job, and he's like, now that can be considered, you know, I just patted a guy on the back, you know, like, way to go, and I, that can be seen as harassment. So are there different levels of... Yeah, absolutely. So it, it really depends on the situation and any prior history that the person, if alleged harassment has already been worn two times before, mm-hmm. and this is the third time, and even if it's just an off-color joke or just a conversation he had that was overheard by someone else, it obviously will depend on precedent, history, and then the kind of the severity right, of the... You don't want a work environment like that, and then you're opening yourself up to liability. Absolutely. I mean, it's just from running a business standpoint... You have to think of what type of environment do I want my employees to work in, and then what type of liabilities are, if I don't follow that, what type of liabilities are opening up that could be recourse against the companies. I mean, it is really a serious topic. Yeah, and and obviously the most important part is everyone feels respected and safe in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like Rob mentioned at the beginning, the, we, we provide lots of training to, to companies and employees to try and prevent this on the, on the upfront, the start of it. Uh, but if a harassment allegation does help, some of these tips will hopefully guide you through the process. Right, and then I think this kind of all brings it back to the sexual harassment training and seminars. The more that you do that, the more people will know this is appropriate, this is inappropriate, and you can avoid these. Right, regardless of what your state law is. You know, in California, now they just changed their law from supervisors. Now it's going to be every employee starting in 19. Regardless of your state, we would highly recommend, whether it's a in-person live training, whether it's uh, there's uh, webinars, or uh, you know, hiring somebody to come in and facilitate it for, for you, that's something that uh, we would highly recommend, especially in today's environment. It will be time well spent, really. And, and most companies, all of our clients, they, they end up with um, employment practices, uh, insurance coverage, if, and that's a, another topic as, as a, as a uh, company. In today's marketplace, you should have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good protection. Yep. So, Jason, thanks for the, uh, the tips today. Good, good discussion on a very timely topic. So we, we hope, hopefully, uh, our listeners, you, you don't go through the, uh, any complaint issues and uh, everything is good culture-wise at, in your organization. But if there is a complaint... Uh, yeah, send the questions to hr at uh, employco.com, E-M-P-L-O-Y-C-O.com. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, all social media. And I think uh, our next topic coming up next uh, in the next few weeks, uh, Jason, you've been tracking. There's some proposed uh, legislation in the uh, in the House or Senate on further changes to the Affordable Care Act, which, uh, it, if it passes, uh, it probably won't take a vote until uh, until the election. But if right. it does, that's something we'll be talking about just to keep everybody up to date because it uh, you're posing some pretty significant yeah. changes. Employer uh, in that friendly. Law. 
right changing the number of hours required so there's a number of things in that bill so we'll we'll keep track of it and if it uh, if that does pass or go to the floor for a vote we'll definitely uh, do a podcast on it to uh, keep people up to speed yep so thanks for uh, listening we uh, we appreciate it uh, and remember send us your uh, your suggestions or questions to hr at thanks so much thanks Peace a lot you.